Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. In addition to being one of the most innovative guitarists of his generation, my guest today has earned a place as one of rock's loudest social consciences. Beginning with Rage Against the Machine, and later on with Audio Slave, Prophets of Rage, and his solo project, The Night Watchman, his politically charged anthems have changed people's heads, often while they headbang. Like many of us, he struggled with the isolation of lockdown, so we turned to his music. It's the force he's used for decades to help bring a positive change to the world. This time around, it helped bring a positive change to himself. After crafting guitar parts in his home studio, he sent them off to an astonishing assortment of friends and collaborators. The first fruits of the project were released in mid-October as the Atlas Underground Fire, and now he's back with another record from a self-described sonic conspiracy. Earlier this week, he announced the Atlas Underground Flood, a sister record featuring the likes of Ben Harper, Ex-Ambassadors, and Jim James, due out December 3rd. We talked about his creatively productive quarantine, his legendary guitar playing, and what it's been like teaching his son to shred. He's a proud papa indeed. I'm so happy to welcome Mr. Tom Morello. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, you are uh, extremely busy, as everybody knows, so I, I, I'm d extremely grateful for your time. I'm speaking to you shortly after the release of your latest uh, Sonic Conspiracy, The Atlas Underground Fire. And by the time this comes out, listeners will be very well aware that there is a sister album on the way, The Atlas Underground Flood. 
I wanted to uh, start by asking about the relationship between those two albums. Is Flood a continuation of Fire, or is it an altogether different perspective? Yeah, no, these are record. These are my plague albums. They're records that were both made, you know, during the the height of lockdown. And uh, uh, there's they are sister records in a way. It's sort of my stab at uh, taking the Clash's London Calling, making a making a record, a sort of a double album that is united in purpose, uh, united in intent, united in sort of authenticity and ferocity, but is sonically very, very diverse with no holds barred. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I think that's so unique about these two albums is that I feel like for every other album you've made, it seems to come from a place of wanting to help people, other people. And it sounds like for these pairs of albums, it was almost really the inverse. It was sort of designed, it came out of a need of wanting to help yourself and to help you remain being a, a musician at a time when that was looking harder and harder to do. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I recorded those uh, albums here in my studio. Now, I have a studio here, but I don't know how to run it. Um, <laughs> there's normally an engineer who sits here, but during lockdown, there was no engineer coming. Uh, and inspiration came from a very surprising place. I read an interview where um, Kanye West was bragging about recording the vocals to a couple of his albums onto the uh, voice memo of his phone. So I just started recording guitar into my you know, my my phone on a folding chair in front of my amp over there, just playing wow. some guitar riffs and then sending those riffs to producers, engineers, and artists around the world. And that became the building blocks for these records. But first and foremost, it was a way to sort of assert that in this crazy time of kind of fear and anxiety that I could still be a musician. 95% of the guitars on this record, on these two records, were recorded into the voice memo of my phone, uh, which is something I hadn't anticipated and may lead to me throwing out all those expensive microphones. <laughs> I mean, that is crazy. Has that new approach changed your approach to composing in the long haul? I mean, did it open any doors for you creatively? I imagine that sort of not having all of the accoutrements of, you know, the studio maybe might make you play a little freer. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was, when I set out recording those guitar riffs, it really was not with the intent, I'm going to make a double album. It was like, I need to try to survive Thursday, you know, <laughs> you know, and and this is one way it's to like, I love this. I love playing guitar, but there's no way to connect. Now there was a way to connect, you know, on these records. I mean, from they span from, you know, Bring Me the Horizon in Brazil to Idols in the UK to Sama Abdul Hadi in Palestine to Bruce Springsteen in New Jersey, Refused in Sweden. I was just kind of like these rock and roll pen pals, you know, uh, of this kind of global connectiveness during a time where there was no human connection. I mean, given Kanye's indirect involvement on the album, I'm almost uh, surprised that he didn't make a guest appearance no, on that. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't think to reach out. Perhaps next. <laughs> I mean, can you talk to me more about the collaborative process? Was it a case of finishing a sketch or a riff and thinking, "Oh my God, I think I know exactly who that would be for," or did you reach out to art a bunch of artists that you wanted to work with and kind of say, "Here's ten things." Take your pick. Yeah, it was a, each of those ways was implemented. In some ways, that it was the where every day felt like it was kind of exactly the same. There was almost this roulette wheel adventure to these songs. You know, I'd come up here on a Tuesday, I'd record four riffs. I'd send them to, I don't know, pick, um, you know, uh, Jim James of My Morning Jack. Like, which are you feeling any of these? Number three, okay, great. Let's have that be a starting point. Another time, it might be like a, a track that is kind of more put together. Bring Me the Horizon is responding to these risks. Other times, whether it was Fantagram or Sama Abdul Hadi, they might send me something as a, as a starting point. There were really no rules to it, and the, the unexpectedness of that daily sort of creative process was really like an elixir of health and hope during that kind of crazy time. 
That was what I was going to say. It must have been so exciting for you to send these out into the world and really in a lot of ways have no idea what they might send back. I mean, were there any, what were some of the biggest surprises for you? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, there's, there's, there, were, there were quite a few big surprises, but um, like Sam Abdelhadi, for example, she's a young Palestinian DJ, just fantastic young artist. And, you know, I sent her some of my usual kind of Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin riffs, the, 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 nor- <laughs> the normal stuff. And she's like, ah, I like these but I don't know what to do with these. I was like, thank you for your candor. I appreciate that. Uh, Why don't you start the process? So she sent me this kind of like eight minute long kind of Arabic trance track that was entirely out of sort of my wheelhouse and experience. But I was like, fantastic. Like I put on my headphones, put on my kind of like Coltrane ears and just let go and just jammed over it a few times, sent those those sort of wild tracks back to her to apply her production genius. So that was like, that was the process. Like every day it was some new eddy, some new stream, some new route, some new bridge, some new way to create. And eventually I, I amassed this body of material. Now it's two records because in this day and age, putting out a double album doesn't make sense, but there, there always was the intent that Fire and Flood were, would, be, would be sisters and they, that they would be together. Um, and, you know, I, I look at this project as it's, it's both a solo album and very much a collaborative effort. Um, it's, a, it's a solo album and there is a kind of purity of overall vision and curation and, and my guitar is the common voice in all these songs. But none of these songs... I couldn't, I couldn't have made any of them on my own. They're all a product of the individual chemistry of the great and diverse artists I had the honor of working with. The sounds are so diverse. And as you said, you know, I mean, you think about making a, you know, in quotes, a quarantine album, and it, it seems like this really isolating, claustrophobic thing. But this is truly a global record. And you think of all these artists that are not only located in different places, but are bringing their own experiences into it. I mean, I'm hard pressed to to name an album where one of the vocals is recorded by somebody who's basically scaling Everest. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, this is... <laughs> as was the case with Mike Posner during that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy me how they, you know, their experiences are now sort of part of the DNA of this record. I mean, and DJ Sama too, I mean, wasn't she yes. recording in the midst of the Israeli war? bombing? Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. She would sort of, during the mixing of the song, she'd disappear for a couple of days. I'm like, are you okay? And, you know, fortunately she was, but yeah, you know, and then there's, you know, Springsteen in New Jersey singing Highway to Hell, all while I'm completely alone, <laughs> you know, every day here in the studio, like, you know, doing the, whatever the normal sort of plumbing and you know, chores were around. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, of course, the unifying feature of, of, of these records is, of course, your electric guitar. You've been very vocal in, uh, I mean, throughout your career, but in recent interviews especially, about how you feel the electric guitar is, I, I'm going to make sure I'm getting the quote exactly right, the greatest instrument that humankind has ever devised. And you will get no argument from me whatsoever. But I wanted to ask you why. What is it about the electric guitar that makes it such an effective Tool, friend, conduit, paintbrush. Yeah, 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 paint. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, uh, co-conspirator. Right. Um, yeah. I. I mean, there's one. I'm maybe somewhat prejudiced on this on this topic, uh, but but there's no instrument, you know, before or after the creation of electric guitar that has both the 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 can have the subtle nuance that the electric guitar has, as well as the stadium destroying rock power. There's nothing else. There's because it's also, and there are certainly, you know, there are crowds that go wild to EDM music and this, this, that, and the other and hip hop, which is all fantastic. And I go wild too. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but there's something about the visceral hands-on 
you know, man-made or human-made quality of like touching those strings and feeling the force of that or being able to be sort of introspective with it. And, and, but the, uh, the, the second part of the thesis is not that the, just that the electric guitar is the greatest instrument on the planet, that it's an instrument with a future and not just a past. Because there's a lot of guitar players that are traditionalists and, you know, all the good guitar playing has been done. So we just play something that's just like that. And that's what guitar, those are the, those are the goalposts. I do not subscribe to that. I believe these records are in a, the first Atlas Underground record in 2018. And these two records are an assertion. The electric guitar has a bright future, but I think that that future is found in sometimes unconventional ways. I, I never want to let go of the big riffs of the crazy guitar solos, of the expressiveness of the instrument. But I want to find a context for those riffs, for those solos, and for that, that expressiveness in unexpected places to push the guitar into the future. That's why there is punk rock on this record. That's why there is there is uh, EDM bass drops on this record. That's why there is heavy metal on this record. That's why that's, there's folk songs on this record. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I wanted to ask you, there was a quote you gave recently, and I'm paraphrasing, but something where you said, for the first 10 years of my musical career, I was practicing scales, and the second 10 years, I was practicing animal sounds on guitar. Uh, At what point, I mean... At what point did the guitar become not strictly an instrument to be mastered, but something to be used to express yourself in ways that, you know, are unconventional and aren't necessarily traditional? Yeah. Uh, When we pick up an instrument, uh, there are two categories in which people may find themselves. There are musicians and there are artists. Um, and for the first 10 years, first, first 10 years of playing guitar, I had worked very, very hard at and put in my 10, 20,000 hours to become a technically skilled musician. I couldn't write songs that I like. I mean, I could shred my ass off like Steve Vai or Eddie Van Halen. I couldn't write songs that I liked and I didn't have my own voice on the instrument. It was around the beginnings of Rage Against the Machine where I began self-identifying as the DJ in the band, where I started to look at the instrument in an entirely different way, recognizing and realizing the electric guitar is a relatively new instrument on the planet. It's just a piece of wood with six wires and a few electronics that can be manipulated in a wide variety of of ways. And I remember being inured as a young guitar magazine reader, and all my favorite guitars, almost like to to a person, would say, well, it's all been done on the guitar. And I was like, how do we know? Are we sure? Have we, I mean, it's a short time. Yeah. Is, is there a study? Is there a study that proves? So I, and, but then once I got outside of that box and did start practicing animal noises and R2D2 noises and helicopter noises, and, you know, my inspirations went well beyond Chuck Berry, Eddie Van Halen, and Metallica. Um, it really like the blinders came off. And all of a sudden I was, I felt like, well, this is who I am on the instrument. And that's when I took the tentative first steps from becoming a musician into becoming an artist. I mean, the thing that really boggles my mind is that you were you came to guitar relatively late in life as far as these things go. I think like late teens. I mean, the, one of the only people I can think of who picked up guitar that late was Robert Johnson, and he he had the devil to help. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> Which I imagine you did not. I mean, how did, how did you first no. find your way to the guitar? Yeah, I mean, given my Catholic upbringing, that was not an option. But yeah, you're right. He's the only <laughs> guitar. He, he, Robert Johnson started playing at 18, and he's the only other guitar player I've ever heard of yeah. that began making that began sort of notable as a guitarist. Began making records that late. Um, I had a guitar when I was 13 years old. I took two lessons that were so off-putting it sat in a closet for the next four years, um, gathering dust. And for me, it was punk rock music. I I, I admired the big rock stars of the day, the Led Zeppelins, this, that, and the other, but it really felt like it was unattainable. And you had to have a $10,000 Les Paul and a wall of marshals and a, and a castle on a Scottish lock and some sort of <laughs> gorgeous cheekbones and hair and groupies. And like to even to like get a ticket into the party, you know, <laughs> Alistair Crowley's autograph. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had, you know, I had, I had a damp basement in Illinois, uh, and so when I heard that, you know, the Sex Pistols and the Clash, those were records that felt like they were made in damp basements wherever those people were. They were singing about topics that were neither, you know, dungeons nor dragons nor groupies. And I could relate, personally relate to like the real life stories they were telling about, you know, injustice and struggle and what how it sucks to be 17, whatever, whatever was sort of entailed in those songs felt like relatable. And more importantly, it felt like you could play those songs this afternoon. No, 
you could write a song like that this afternoon. And so the day I began, the day I began as a guitarist was within 24 hours of getting the Sex Pistols cassette. I didn't know how to play a chord on the instrument. I didn't know how to play a note on the instrument. I went into the drama club of my school and announced the punk band was forming. I'm the guitar player. If you want to be in the band, raise your hand. No experience required. <laughs> Makes me wonder if the Sex Pistols started roughly the same way, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Possibly. I mean, yeah, you've uh, spent some of the time in the last year and a half teaching your your son, your, I think, 10-year-old son, how to play guitar. Uh, has that changed your relationship to the guitar in any way as now as a as a teacher to to a student in front of you? Yeah, very, very much so. Well, I, first of all, I reflect in beginning to teach him, which was during lockdown, um, I reflected on those two awful guitar lessons I had that <laughs> c- c- convinced me to not play for four years. So I did not repeat that pattern. And I made the experience one which was all about fun and immediate success and, you know, like run before you walk and let's have a good time. But yes, it has changed my guitar playing considerably because now I'm kind of the second best guitar soloist in the family. And so I spend most of my time as a rhythm guitarist, you know, strumming the chords for Pink Floyd songs or whatever while he just shreds his little butt off. I mean, I love and seeing his collaborations and your collaborations with Nandy Bushel. I mean, for anyone who who has the misfortune of having not seen her, she's this incredible, I think she's 11 years old, this musician from England who will just melt your face on any instrument that you want. I mean, that has to make you feel good. I mean, the saga continues in a way. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I had become uh, kind of Instagram friends. She does these amazing covers of songs, including some Audio Slave and Rage Against the Machine songs. So I sent her one of my signatures Fender soul power guitars. And we sort of became friendly. And, and then she reached out and was like, do you want to, you know, write a song? And I said, I would love to write a song with you, but I got a nine-year-old kid over here who's kind of uh, ahead of me right now. Maybe you guys write a song together. And they did, they wrote a great song called The Children Will Rise Up. We got Jack Black in the video. And it really, you know, it says, when the song was recorded, they were nine and 10 years old. They're the ones, they wrote it, they play, they play the intro. I produced it, but it's just this it's pretty awesome, you know, and then I cannot, I'm not going to lie that when my kid's solo comes up in that one, you know, it's like, it's just 16 bars of just pure, like, fatherly pride as he's, sh- I mean, he's, he's, he's either got it or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be the best feeling in the world. That, I mean, congratulations. You've done good. You've done good. It is. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm mean, speaking of, of you know, on a, on a different note, but speaking of, of young women with guitars, you, you've been working to get a group of young, uh, young musicians out of Taliban-occupied Afghanistan. I was wondering what the, the latest was with them and if there's any ways that, that we can continue to, to try to help. Yeah, uh, the good news is that they are safe. I'm in regular contact well, with people who are in contact with them. And, um, but they, you know, I had been, uh, this is a great, musician Lanny Cordova. He was in like a metal band in, in the eighties and you know he kind of got the religion of love and he moved moved to Afghanistan to help street children, uh, people who have had who had uh, who had endured trauma, especially young girls who had endured trauma and because of the war and had lost their parents or orphans and whatnot. And he made a school for them and they a lot of the 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 uh, creative part of the school was they all learned to play guitar and they would sing songs. And you know, we did some collaborations and videos together. So these wonderful, wonderful girls, you know, and then uh, after the Taliban takeover, they were, you know, on a, they were marked for death, you know, cause they, you know, were playing Western music and had an American teacher and whatnot. And so they've been in hiding since then. And we've been working very, very, very diligently trying to get them uh, first to Pakistan and then, you know, and then somewhere else, but, uh, but they're okay. They are okay. And, uh, I hear from them periodically and we're still doing all every 
means both above and above board and below board to try to you know get them to safety. This was wonderful to hear. I mean, I was thinking this is probably the last eighteen months is. I would imagine the first time in quite a while that you weren't literally on the front lines of marches. I'm thinking specifically of the protest for the murder of George Floyd. Uh, I've heard numerous clips and I've also heard anecdotally from friends that your music was being sung and chanted at these protests. What is it, I wanted to ask you, what is it about music that makes it such an effective method to transmit emotion and enact change? Yeah, well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of evidence to support that thesis. You know, there's never been a successful social movement in this country without a soundtrack, really. You know, and, with, and um, you know, from the, the union struggles to the civil rights movement to the anti-war movements from Vietnam to Iraq, um, that music... Music is a unique art form in that you know, music can predates you know written language, and so like there's something about a tribal gathering with rhythm and rhyme that feels like the truth in a like something that's like deeply hardwired into our reptilian DNA that really can feel like the truth, and and that's why I think that music can steal the spine of those who are standing up to injustice. It can put wind in the sails of movements that. It, you feel the connectedness. In that same connection that I felt with a band like The Clash, I was growing up in a small town in Illinois where not a lot of people shared my point of view. you know. But there were four musicians 6,000 miles away that did. And it made me, one, feel not alone. Two, made me feel like these ideas that I had were not, were, they were global ideas. You know, they were global ideas. And that there's friends and comrades here and abroad that perhaps together we can have our hands on the steering wheel of history. And so for me, it was very frustrating. Like I was, I'm, I got my ni- 98 year old mom here, my 90 year old mother-in-law here. So I was really like locked down and didn't get to participate on the front lines of, you know, the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd protests over the summer. I did contribute music to those and was happy to see music from some of my other bands played, you know, during those as well. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I, your music was really among the first that I, I was aware of as a as a, a tween or young teen that was political music that didn't sound like you know the Weavers or Woody Guthrie or or, or Bob Dylan, and I um, it was actually it was a teacher it was my ninth grade English teacher who turned me on to 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 your music she played it in class and taught us the the, the poetry of uh, of what what you were saying and you know I'll 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 remember her and be grateful to her for the rest of my life for, you know, what, what she, what she taught us all as 13, 14 year old kids. I was wondering, uh, who were some people in your life? I imagine your mother being one of them who steered you towards the good stuff, this music, you know, that really has the power to, to, to enlighten. Yeah. Well, I said my, 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 Mom, I, there was music in my family. Like my grandfather was a talented pianist. My great uncle played in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. But I was an, as an only kid with a mom who was like a full time, you know, with a full time job. There's not a lot of. She wasn't bringing home records. You know, there might have been a Temptations record or a classical record around the house. But that journey was one that I sort of had to find on my own. So. You know, at first for me, it was heavy metal. That was like what I responded to first. I love comic books and that led me to Kiss and then Kiss led me to this one and that one. Um, but it was it was the message that was contained first in punk rock music and then in hip hop music that made me realize that there's a, that, that there's a, a crossroad. Like I, I didn't choose to be a guitar player. That chose me. And so I was kind of like stuck with this vocation. But I also had this set of ideas that I couldn't, abandon in my life's work. And so I would look to artists that had successfully merged those two, The Clash, Public Enemy. Um, you know, I later on sort of discovered some of the, act, the the folk acts that you're talking about, you know, Woody Guthrie and uh, Phil Oaks and, and the Weavers and whatnot. But it really was, to me, like the overarching lesson I think is bigger. And that is to not leave behind who you are in what you do. Not just music, whether you're a interviewer, a carpenter, a student or whatever, to not leave behind your convictions in your vocation. And I made one record, I've made 20, this is the 21st and 22nd records of my career, Fire and Fire and Flood. The first record I made was, I was sort of a junior partner in a band called Lockup before Rage Against the Machine. And, and we kind of did everything that the record company asked us to do. And the producer suggested this, it felt like sort of counterintuitive. We got dropped from the label you know, I was 26, 27 years old. I had missed my grab at the brass ring, but I still was a musician. I couldn't help that. That wasn't going to change. So I made a solemn vow, and that was to never again to play a note of music that I didn't believe in. And over the course of the next 21 albums, I've held true to that vow, whether they're folk albums or Atlas Underground albums or Audio Slave albums or whatever. Um, and that's been the guiding North Star, which it remains today on Fire and Flood. Do you have advice for people who you know, maybe haven't found their voice yet and are still sort of looking for what, what exactly that is that they have to say or how to say it. 
Sure, sure. I mean, I think that the 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 it's a very simple marker of success in this day and age. You know, unless you're some <laughs> TikTok star, you know, that's, yeah. that's a different case. You have to ask somebody else about that. That's not going. But if you're a musician, I think the only measure of success these days is to play music that you love and believe in. And if you're in your basement with a couple of friends, or if you're in a stadium in Argentina, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. So, like my my suggestion would be if people aren't to find the right, is just like write what's true. Don't try to write like I used to try like write songs like that sounded like songs on the radio, or write lyrics <laughs> like some of my favorite lyricists wrote, rather than writing things that I thought. You know, like write what you think, write about your situation, write about what you know, and it doesn't matter. And you don't. Here's things you don't have to be good. Like my entire solo career was launched, but there's a there's a, a place called Covenant House in Hollywood. It's a teen homeless shelter in in Hollywood, and I was doing some work with them, and it was like a Thanksgiving event. And this kid got up there, this teenager got up there, and he, you know, he his story was a hard one, and he got up there with you know a guitar that was out of tune and a voice that was shaky. And it felt like he was playing like everybody's soul in the room was at stake. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the whole thing right there. That's it. Like, if you've got one moment in your life where you do that, like, you've lived better than most, <laughs> you know? I mean, being being seen, being heard, and connecting. I mean, I, I can, I'm hard-pressed to think of something that's more worthy. Yeah. Has the last 18 months, with all of its hardships and you know, and that's putting it mildly. Has it taught you something new about yourself that you didn't know before? Um, well, it did. Yeah. One that it sort of revealed a vulnerability that I did not know was there. Like I, like I've been, you know, since I was 17 years old, have worked with a m manic motor on music and this, that in big projects, whatever. And it made me, made me real realize that like, that there's, you know, I was sort of, it was really tough. Like the first, that first year was really, really challenging in ways that like, I'm always the fixer and I'm the type A guy and I'm the, here's the plan and this is what we're going to do. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't know if Thursday is going to be okay this week, you know? Um, but I did, I did find that the music was a, if not an entirely uh, redemptive outlet, it certainly was a lifeline and it was something to hold on to that provided a, you know, like like a, a sense of self that w that reminded me of, you know, at, at the core of who I am, regardless of the particular circumstances of the day. And without getting too personal, everybody's good. And I know your mom just had a birthday recently. Everybody's good, healthy, feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's good. She's ninety. I I we're doing this. Inter I my studio is in my mom's basement. So once again, I'm playing guitar in my mom's basement, like I did when I was 17 years old. And she still has like critical comments about what she hears through the roof from Tommy. Just she's like, I'm not sure about that second song today, Tom. I'm like, thanks, thank you for your input there. <laughs> Take that coolest. under advisement. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that we're you know hopefully coming out of this whatever you have, you want to define this. Um, yes, yes. Do you have plans to do a uh, an Atlas Underground tour when the pandemic has, uh, subsides after the sort of rescheduled rage dates? And, yeah, uh, yeah. There's, 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 no, there's no plan on the books right now. I mean, I was, I was very heartened by, you know, one, the, the first Atlas Underground record had 20 collaborators on it. And I was able to craft a tour of Sean Evans, who's the artistic director for Roger Waters. He did the Wall Tour and 
the us and them tour. We put it, we didn't have the same budget. We put a tour <laughs> together that, you know, that you didn't miss the fact that they weren't all there. It was like sort of part illegal rave, part like art, you know, sort of underground art, exib- Barbara Kruger art exhibition, part <laughs> heavy metal mosh, mosh pit. And so there is a way, a way to really tour this creatively. But right now I'm looking forward to getting this music out. It's a really important, like there, there's, you know, during an inhumane time, music can really restore a sense of humanity. And, but part of that, part of that process isn't just, it isn't writing, just writing music. It isn't making music. It's putting it out and connecting, you know, and knowing that someone's here. And again, it can be three people in a basement or it can be, you know, a billion streams of a K-pop. It's like connection that, that, that solidifies the experience, you know? And so making this music has been great, but it's not complete until it's out in the world and it's available for you to listen to or download illegally or whatever you want to do. And it's full circle for you. It started with you connecting with, you know, Bruce or whoever, and then now it's other people connecting to it from you. I, uh, before we go, I have to ask, it's been, you know, a month and a half and you released the Atlas Underground Fire, the Atlas Underground Flood. Is there an Atlas Underground earthquake or an Atlas Underground hurricane or any other element there? But I said, let's hope we don't go back into lockdown. So I just right. like, I, I do look forward to really, you know, it has been certainly the longest since I've been on stage. And that, you know, that the live rocking feel, whether it's a folk concert or whether it's a big bombastic Marshall Stacks concert, like that feeling of connection and sort of the, 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 the unpredictability of the live experience. That's what I'm hoping 2022 is all about. Right on. I second that. Sir, thank you so much for your music and your time today. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your thoughtful questioning. And uh, thanks to everybody out there. (laughs) Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.